Hello everyone, I'm Drew. I'm Bailey. I'm Lacey. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. So that's what it's supposed to sound like, Bailey. Uh, remember? Yeah, last no, week? I remember. <laughs> okay. I was I was listening to our uh, episode yesterday a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, "Oh, that really got botched." That's interesting. Yeah. Someone <laughs> forgot how to do the intro. It's good. It keeps us humble, or something. Um. So I don't. I'm gonna skip our little chit chat in the beginning because I have quite a bit to share with you guys today. I'm going to try and keep it into like one part, but we'll see, you know? Okay. I don't like you caging me. What if I wanted to have a conversation? Too bad. Um, so remember when I did the Black Dahlia episode, Mm -hmm. I mentioned that there were several other murders of women in LA at the same time or roughly around the same time mm-hmm. that were unsolved. Yeah, I remember sure. being generally furious during that episode. Yeah. Well, so there's some theories that think that they're all connected. I've gathered a handful of them and I'm going to tell you about them and we can discuss whether or not we think that they're connected to the Black Dahlia murder. Okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And just to like lay some groundwork, Steve Hodel, he he is the son of George Hodel, Dr. George Hodel, who I think and a lot of other people think is the best suspect for the Black Dahlia murder. Okay. But Steve Hodel has gone like the extra mile. He's he's he worked for the LAPD for 24 years before becoming an author and private investigator. And he wrote a book called The Black Dahlia Avenger. Hyphen. The True Story. Mm. In which Steve tells about his own investigation in the Black Dahlia case. And how the evidence led him to suspect his own father. In the book, Steve mentions that crime reporter Agnes Underwood raised the possibility that four murders, including Elizabeth Short's, might have been connected in her article, quote, Will Dahlia Slang join album of unsolved murders? So that's just, I got a lot of these names from Steve Hodel and a lot of the information from him as well. Okay. Um, so uh, let's, I have them kind of chronologically ordered. Most of them are chronological. And then there's a couple at the end that I think are like honorable, honorable mention. Okay. So we're going to start off with Aura. Murray. Aura. Aura. O-R-A. Okay. Interesting um, her, name. Yes. Her murder was, I don't know, nicknamed by the press, the Gardenia murder. Oh, very. Was Laurel pattern going on yeah. here? So Aura Murray was a 42-year-old telephone operator from Fort Lewis, Washington. She had gone to L.A. to visit her sister and brother-in-law. They were named Latonia and Oswald Lenin. She was found on the Fox Hills golf course about 100 yards from the clubhouse. At around 8 a.m., 
on July 27, 1943, the 15-year-old son of the groundskeeper heard his Arendelle Terrier, Bailey? Arendelle Terrier named Pete, barking and went to investigate. Sorry, I smacked my cup. Oh my god. Laura. Hmm? I said, oh my god. That should that should have been our guess this sound. <laughs> oh shoot. Mystery oh. sound. Laura was found partially nude and mutilated. Inspector William Penprace arrived on scene and determined that although Aura had been recovering from three broken ribs, she put up a, quite a fight. So there was defensive wounds and she did have prior injury that did not stop her from fighting back. How'd she get broken ribs? Can you wait a second? Maybe I tell you later. Let's just wait. Her clothing had been ripped away from her body. The only remaining bit was around her waist. When her purple dress was ripped from her body, the sash that was fixed around the waist of the dress, like, stayed on the body. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You picture that? Mm -hmm. And her watch was on her wrist and was smashed at 1.50 a.m. Under her body, a gardenia corsage was found wrapped in tinsel. This was what inspired the nickname. Obviously. Near the body was found the following items. A standard oil gas station credit card, a pair of earrings, a comb, a pair of green high heels, a gold locket, and a green and white plastic purse. The only contents of the purse was a bracelet with blue stones. Inspector Pemprace said that Murray had been strangled, or his face had been battered beyond recognition, The coroner, Dr. Frank Webb, reported the cause of death was due to, quote, constriction of the larynx by strangulation, along with concussion of the brain and subdural subdural hematoma. That's not true. Subdural hemorrhage. Causing a subdural hematoma. Probably. Mm. On July 26th, so the day before, Aura and Latona went at a public dance went to a public dance together at the Zenda Ballroom in LA. Ooh. <clears throat> fancy. Public dance. Ooh. Things are crazy back then. <laughs> they <clears throat> there they met a married man named Paul from San Francisco. He suggested they all go out for drinks. Latonia said that she Latonia said she had to go home. So Paul offered to drop her off, then take Aura out for drinks. In the car, Paul told Aura that that's not true either. Paul gave Aura that bracelet with the blue stones that they found in her Are we going to be tested on this later? Because I'm getting a lot of confusing information. <laughs> I'm just mixing up, mixing up like one word at a time. It's really horrible. <laughs> Why was a married man at a public dance? It, I assume that public dances back then are like bars now, and you and I are married, and we were at a bar like two weeks ago. Yeah, but you probably didn't say to I wasn't some going buds to who were there together, hey, let's go home together. And I also yeah, didn't but... give anyone a bracelet. But I think the it idea was the, was the same. There's some people who were there to have fun, and there are some people there to seek out others. Find ladies. Mm-hmm. Latonia described Paul as about 30 years old, 135 pounds, and 5'8". 
He had dark hair. He was slender, dapper, with a hairline, oh. with a hairline mustache. We don't. Was, we don't use the word dapper too much anymore. I want to bring it no. back. Okay. He was driving a 1942 Buick convertible coupe. 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 It was it's blue not, with not, a it's so. Not a Q. It's I said coupe. coupe. Yeah, it's not that. It's a coupe. Like a mutiny. <laughs> it was blue with a silver stripe on the side. So, this is when things kind of get a little wonky. Are you ready? Ooh, yes. A week after Aura's body was discovered, Jeanette Walser went to police to report that her fiancé, Grant Wyatt Terry, had disappeared with her $200 diamond ring and $700 <gasps> of, in cash. Damn. For comparison, $200 in 1943 is about $3,500 today. Son of and a $700 is about $12,000 today. Okay. So Jeanette said that she had met Grant on July 17th at a cocktail lounge. She, he said he was 34 and claimed to be an attorney for the government. Mm. He told her that he had come west to select military campsites. Ten days after meeting, he proposed. Okay. Red flag. Grant said that they'd be married in Santa Barbara on July 31st. Grant said that although his job paid well, the government paid slowly. So he couldn't afford a ring just yet. Ah. Uh, what does Jeanette that mean? Turned... <laughs> they pay me well, but like not right now. <laughs> Once every three months I get paychecks. <laughs> I'll buy you a ring later, babe. Just if you could front me the cash right now. Well, no, that's not what she did. She gave him her ring. And was like, you can use this. So he... To propose it back to her? Yeah. So he said, yeah, I'll do that, but I want to get the stone reset. Mm. And then he put it on her finger. Mm. So he took it. Next, Grant said that he would need to move all his belongings... Words today are hard. Uh-huh. He said he would need to move all his belongings and furniture from his home in Washington, D.C. to the West Coast. So Jeanette gave him $700 so he could pay to have the items transported. Then, so that was a week after July 17th. Not to victim blame or anything. Jeanette seems a little, a little trusting. <laughs> A little so too this interesting. Was, it's this was 40s. July 24th, roughly. Okay. On July 26th, the day before Aura... The day before Aura's body was found, he borrowed Jeanette's blue convertible roadster for a rush business trip in the next town over. Mm. The next morning, July 27th, Grant returned and told Jeanette that the car was parked in a garage with a flat tire, but that he had to make an important trip to San Diego. Jeanette provided a picture of Sorry. She Jeanette provided a picture of Grant and they showed it to Latonia to Latonia? I said her name before, but it sounds weird every time. Sounds right. She said when she saw it, she Latonia said, Well, I can't be sure, but it looks like Paul. Latonia clarified later at a coroner's inquest that her hesitation was due to the fact that in the picture, Grant was wearing glasses, but Paul never wore glasses. So. That threw her for yeah. a whole... Shocking. 
Deputy District Attorney issued a felony warrant for Grant Terry for the murder of Ora Murray. A federal warrant was also issued charging Terry with impersonating a federal attorney. (laughs) Roger Lewis Gardner, a.k.a. Grant Terry, was arrested in March 1944 in New York. He was extradited back to California, where Latonia positively identified him as Paul. Gardner was formally arraigned and went on trial for the murder of Ora Ora Murray. Say her name real quick. Ora Ora Murray. Murray. Say it quicker. Ora Murray. (laughs) You want to say Ora Mora? (laughs) Okay. His trial lasted two weeks in October. Gardner adamantly denied knowing or ever seeing Ora or Latonia but admitted to swindling Jeanette. Gardner said that on the night of the murder, he had borrowed Jeanette's car, drove to the Ambassador Hotel, and parked overnight. In the morning, he discovered the flat tire. He denied having ever been to the Zenda Ballroom. He testified that he'd been with Jeanette until 8.15 p.m. on July 26, making it impossible for him to be at the Zenda at 8.30. Witnesses confirmed the state this stating that Gardner was seen 20 miles away from the Zenda ballroom wearing sport clothes just minutes before Paul was seen dancing with Aura in a dark suit and fedora. Okay. On November 11th, 1944, the jury was hopelessly deadlocked with half of them convinced that Gardner was just a con man whose identity was mistaken for a sophisticated, well-dressed Paul. Gardner was acquitted on the charges. So Steve Hodel's thoughts were that George Hodel and Roger Gardner look very similar. Mm. Could have been the mistaken identity. George collected, so Steve's dad, collected Native American bracelets, the same style as the one found in Aura's purse. And then he also questioned who the credit card belonged to that was found at the scene. If it belonged to Gardner, surely it would have been introduced as evidence during his trial. But it wasn't. So who did it belong to? Mm, Good point, Steve. The last thing that Steve noted that I thought was noteworthy. um, He researched the trial testimony and found that Gardner had given Jeanette a Native American bracelet that resembled the one Aura had. Also, that Gardner had told Jeanette that something unexpected had come up and he had to go to San Diego with a man named George to try a case. The Cocktail Lounge at the Ambassador Hotel was one of George Hodel's favorite hangouts. So his theory is maybe they're friends. Yeah. And although maybe like Roger didn't kill Aura, maybe he's like helped with something. But like, what are your thoughts? Well, it sounds like um, Roger, that was the guy who swindled. Yeah, girl, right. Roger Sounds Grant, like he was a con man and like a butthole, but if he was genuinely seen by people twenty miles away or whatever, I don't think he can kind of get around. He can't be in two places at once. So, and I feel like yeah. I would want a little bit more evidence that he and George knew each other than just mm-hmm. him saying he had something to do with George because it was the forties. There were lots of Georges. Yeah. Even now, it's not like a really a super unpopular name. Somebody says but, they're going somewhere with George, you wouldn't be like, George the murderer? So, Aura's case is still unsolved, so do you think that it is related to Black Dahlia? 
do you need to know a little bit more about the Black Dahlia case? Well, like a refresher. Well, the Black Dahlia, she was cut in Mm -hmm. half, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Aura was, she had like the broken ribs and stuff, but there was. That was, they determined that that happened like before. I think they they determined that that would happen pre mortem. But Aura was still cut, wasn't she? No, she was just nude. Or she was, was also, only, she was she also was just, like badly beaten. Left in, did you say it, like a golf course or something? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the black dahlia was just kind of like left on the side of the street. Well, she was left like near a park. She was posed though, right? Was Aura posed? No. Okay. And I don't think I don't think Black Dahlia was really posed. She was kind of just like flopped down. Yeah, I feel like she was left more of like trash. That it felt like disrespectful. Yeah, like they put her on display. Yeah, and she was. I don't know. I feel like there's not quite enough to say that they're related. Yeah, I think the only thing that they have in common is um, they're they were both naked, because Aura forty two, Elizabeth Short was in her twenties. Mm. Yeah. Um, Excuse me? Okay. I burped. Aura was, her cause of death was strangulation. Whereas her, um, Elizabeth's was hemorrhage from being cut in half. Yeah, that'll do it. This also worth noting that this murder took place in July of 1943 and Elizabeth was murdered in... Let me check my notes real quick because I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. I know it was 1947. Yeah, January 1947. So it could be leading up to, you know? Yeah, escalated by the time they got to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not willing to commit there and say I feel that they were connected. Yeah. Okay. So on to the next one. Her name was Georgette Elise Bauerdorf. See? George. Everywhere. No, Georgette. Mm-hmm. I like that, that name. name's George and girl. Me too. It's a cute name. Georgette was born May 6, 1924 in New York City. Georgette was a young socialite and an oil heiress. She was born Ooh. to oil man George Bauerdorf. Yeah. Uh-huh. I made a face at Lacey because it's another George. So many Georges. So she was born to oil man George Bauerdorf and Constance Danhauser. God, these names. You're doing I'm, an okay I'm sorry. Job. They're mouthfuls. Oh, she, had an amazing older sister. she had an older sister named Constance, a.k.a. Connie. So George and Constance had two daughters, Constance and Georgette. Mm-hmm. I love it. Fun. Yeah. I think it was that time period when they only knew like four names, Lacey. Mm. Yeah, they went through that with, you know, England before <laughs> too, and then it was our turn. So, after over the here death, sneezing, Jesus Christ, oh, gross. After the death of her mother, Georgette and her family moved to LA in 1935. George Bauerdorf. His new wife and Georgette's sister moved back to New York in the summer of 1944. As an aspiring actress, 
Georgette chose to stay, and she moved to an apartment in West Hollywood in August. There, she got a job at the L.A. Times and volunteered as a junior hostess by the Hollywood Canteen. Yes. Wasn't um, the Black Dahlia an actress, too, or something? I think so. Did I make that up? No, you didn't. I think that there was... There was... It's hard to say, because... Some people were like, she wanted to be an actress, but there's no known acting gigs to her name. You know what I mean? She's an aspiring actress. Yeah, but she was aspiring in name alone. She wasn't doing anything. Early stages. In theory, she was an aspiring actress. Yeah. Aren't we all aspiring actors and actresses? That feels deep. Connie, her older sister, sister left her her Oldsmobile Coupe in California, and Georgette drove it around Hollywood. On October 11th, 1944, so Aura was killed in July 43. Now we're jumping to 44 in October. Georgette and her friend Rose went out. They, they shopped, had lunch together, and got their hair done. Georgette cashed a $175 check to buy a plane ticket to El Paso, Texas for $90. Do you understand that sentence? I felt like it was maybe a little confusing. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Yeah, she, she cashed a paycheck and then purchased a $90 plane ticket to El Paso. Right. She was going to meet up with her soldier boyfriend named Private Jerome M. Brown. I thought you were about to say soldier, soldier boy. boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, okay. Soldier boy. boyfriend. He and Georgette met at the Hollywood Canteen on June 13th. Then he left for Texas a few days later. They stayed in touch, though. So I don't know, know if they were boyfriend-girlfriend, but they were, like... It's the 40s, though. They probably, like, had just, like, a pen pals or something. I mean, the fact that they stayed in touch means... That they were going steady. You know that for sure. Talk to men in the forties. That wasn't a thing you could. Is do. that what you heard from Connie? Who's Connie? Her sister. Why would her sister be talking to me? Because Georgette's probably dead at this point. Okay. Well, I feel like you're skipping ahead. Um, that night. <laughs> so that night. October 11th, 1944, Georgette left work at around 11.15 p.m. She went to a club called Palladium, Palladium to dance and then left around 2 a.m. As she left, she picked up a hitchhiking army sergeant who had also been at the Palladium. His name was Gordon Adland. Another soldier boy. This is yes, why you don't pick also, up hitchhikers. Also... It's worth noting that Elizabeth Short had a thing for army men. Who didn't have a thing for army men back then? Yeah, I don't know if it was, it's really fair to say that that's a thing because they lived in LA and I feel like that's pretty close to like the ocean. So like Navy and stuff. And, and you know, the forties world war two. So yeah, probably a lot of them crawling around. There was, there was a draft. So You, you throw a dart, you're bound to hit somebody. I think you could just, like, outstretch an arm and find somebody. You'd be like, oh, you're an arm, man. Anyway. Um, on October 12th, at 11.10 a.m., the apartment janitor, Fred Atwood, his wife Lulu, and their daughter entered Georgette's apartment because the door was ajar. 
they found Georgette's semi-nude body face down in a running bathtub. Mm. She was 20 years old. So, closer in age to Elizabeth Short. Mm -hmm. She was found in rigor mortis, bottomless, in the tub. The hot water had been running, but the janitor shut it off and drained the tub, hoping to save her. He wanted to save her. Yeah, but there's, like, you're losing all that physical evidence. Yeah. What if there's something in the tub? Well, people need to try harder. her, Her bed had two sheets on it that hadn't been disturbed, but the blanket had been thrown back and the pillow had an indentation on it, looking as though someone had been laying on the bed on top of the two sheets, but under the blanket. Can you okay. picture that? Mm-hmm. Okay. There was, there was a folded up newspaper lying next to the pillow. There was a blood spot on the floor between the bed and the bathroom door. The carpet was wet near the blood spot, leading investigators to believe someone had used a wet towel to rub it out. Inspector hmm. William Penprice, he's making, he's back, believed the attacker was waiting inside the apartment because the light over the outside entrance to the apartment had been unscrewed so it wouldn't light up. Oh. Ooh. Fingerprints were found on the bulb. Inside the apartment, an empty can of string beans and some melon rings were found in the kitchen trash. I don't know why that's worth noting, but. <laughs> yeah, she could have just eaten those (laughs) thought i'd throw it out there thank you georgette's jewelry and other valuables were untouched there was a large roll of two dollar bills you know there's still the 40s they still have two dollar bills in circulation i know but they're like it's just a weird she had a large roll of them yeah we don't really have rolls of there um there was a member when i was working at the country club that would like to tip in two dollar bills so I had them a lot. Feels like a power move. Yeah, he probably had rolls Ooh. on. Speaking of $2 bills. Yeah? Pat just gave me one. Oh, Pat. Does he have rolls of them? I knew it. Do you have rolls of $2 bills, too? The scrap place used to hand out a bunch of them. Hmm. That's all I have left. Oh. Power move, Pat. Lacey said that's a power move. Also, Lacey, while we have a second, do you want to see Pat's new hairstyle? Um, Yeah. Yes. She said do that. that. Do that for the wedding. I she feel like for now the you need to describe it. For the- oh, so pretty much, um, it looks like first of all, it's scrunchy. Um, but just imagine any like young child with like not enough <laughs> hair to make like a full ponytail, and you just have enough hair on the top of their head. I call it the fountain. The fountain yes. ponytail. Um, Pat, when I first did it, he was like, I look like I should be in the Grinch Stole Christmas. Anyway, can we get back to the story? Patty Lou Who. (laughs) Patty Lou Who. Continue. What are you eating, Belly? It's a donut. Oh. I thought it was like a Yoo-Hoo. What are those things called? A Yoo-Hoo is a drink. Yodel. A yodel. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yes. That's I would a love yodel. Anyway. A yodel. It's a little. It looks like that, but it's a Swiss roll. Cylinder. If you're fancy. Yeah, it's cylinder and it's got like cream on the inside. It looks like you had a flat sheet of chocolate and you put cream on it and then you roll it up. Is. Oh, can you see that at all? No. <laughs> there. It's pretty bad. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> 
So like a Twinkie, oh, but cool. not a Twinkie. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. not a Twinkie, no. But it's like the shape of a Twinkie. Yes, it is Twinkie shaped. Got it. Okay. So back to Georgette. Her jewelry and other valuables were untouched. There was a large full of $2 bills and thousands of dollars worth of sterling silver in an open trunk in the apartment. However, almost $100 was missing from her purse. It's worth noting, though, that $175 minus the $90 ticket is $85. So, was it real? So, she did buy the ticket, I think, is what that means. Well, and also, like, did she spend it when she went out at night? Cause she yeah, left she spent work. it on the ticket. Yeah, but did she spend any more? I don't know. Okay, well, that's what also I'm pointing out. The apartment showed no signs of a struggle. So, they also, in the apartment, found her diary, and they read it, which... It's kind of weird. Yeah, feels rude. Basically. She wrote down all of her thoughts and feelings, and what was apparent was that she liked boys, especially ones in uniform. <laughs> did they yeah. say that, or did you say that? She liked boys. Maybe she's having fun. She's 20. She's playing in the field, guys. Bailey, did you write that you like boys in your diary? I didn't have a diary. You're sounding personally offended. I couldn't keep up with the, like, daily routine of writing in a journal. So Dr. Frank Webb, the coroner, performed the autopsy and found an abundance of bruises and scrapes to Georgette's body, indicating that there was a struggle despite the fact the apartment showed none. There was a bruise on the right posterior side of her head, about half an inch in diameter. There was a half-inch area of skin erosion on the upper part of her left hip, and another area of skin erosion three inches long and half an inch wide above the brim of the pelvis on the left side of the abdomen. The middle finger knuckle on her right hand had an abrasion and several bruises. On her right thigh, six distinct bruises were found. There were two other areas on the thigh that correspond to the imprint of fingers and thumb. Do we think she was raped? Hold on. I'm not done with the autopsy stuff. Cause of death was determined to be strangulation. A 9-inch by 9-inch piece of medical bandage material was found stuffed down her throat. Her nose was bleeding, and both upper and lower lips showed bruised areas over where the lips rest over the teeth. So, like, if she got punched and her teeth, or her lip hit her teeth. She also had bruising on her chin and neck, more to the left than the right. This, I think, indicated that Right-handed. I think the bruising was strangle strangle marks, Mm. and it was a right-handed person. You know what I mean? Yeah. She had a split lip, and her stomach contents revealed that she had eaten the string beans about an hour prior to her death. Weird hangover choice. Healthy hangover choice. She likes string beans. Dr. Webb determined that she was raped having found a large amount of sperm and other trauma that indicated rape. Mm. Her sister's 1936 Oldsmobile coupe was missing from the scene. It was later found abandoned about 11 miles away from Georgette's apartment. It was found to be out of gas with a dent on the one fender. 
Mechanics determined the dent was recent and from colliding with another car. The walls to Georgette, the walls to Georgette's apartment were soundproof, but a neighbor reported being awoken at around 2:30 a.m. by screaming. He first heard a scream that caused him to sit upright in bed. Then he heard a female scream, stop, stop, you're killing me. The scream subsided, so he went back to sleep. It was probably nothing. Well, she stopped screaming she was being murdered, so she's probably not anymore. <laughs> not being And murdered. I'm sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Several people were questioned, including that Gordon Adland, whom she... Pick, the hitchhiker that you picked up. His testimony was taken by an officer from the provost marshal's office because he had, like, by the time they questioned him, he was already in another state. So they had, like, an officer of the army talk to him. So after that, after the little interview he gave with his army officer uh he never heard anything else about it so october 20th there was a coroner's inquest fred atwood testified that was the the man that found her that he had heard women's heels clicking on the floor from georgette's apartment in a pacing type manner then he was awoken by a loud crash at around midnight from georgette's apartment i guess because the theory was posed. Georgette's half-brother testified that she did not suffer from painting spells. Seems okay. like a weird thing to kind of pop out. So somebody was like, well, maybe she fainted in the tub. Doesn't yeah. really explain anything else. <laughs> other than how she ended up in the tub. I guess maybe just to, like, make sure that it wasn't her, like falling randomly like medically like other than being like attacked or something yeah but like she didn't even die of drowning so it's it really it had like anyway um georgette's body was her body was shipped to nyc where her funeral was held she was and she was buried in the family plot so i made a little note here georgette and Elizabeth look very similar. And I thought it was worth noting. I wanted to show you. Was Elizabeth raped? I think that they... I feel like they they didn't find anything. But they assumed because of how she was positioned and stuff. They both had dark hair. And... Dark eyes. Both wanted to be actors. There's this one picture where someone put them next to each other. Right here. This is Georgette and this is Elizabeth. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty similar looking. Um Is that someone's laundry going off? Yes. Sorry. I also wanted to throw out that so far um, there's been like a child who found the body in Elizabeth's and the two cases that we've talked about. Yeah. 
Hold on a second. Is that Tegan? Do, 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 Sorry. Do, do, do. Okay. So, well, what are your thoughts on Georgette? Um, I feel like it's much, like, I could see this kind of being connected to Black Dahlia, especially with, like, how gruesome Georgette was, like, attacked. I mean, she was also badly beaten, like, Aura, but... I but, mean... like... Aura wasn't, like, I don't know. I feel like there's more things in common with Georgette and Aura's case than there is with Elizabeth and Georgette. They were both strangled. They were both beaten. Yeah, I feel like none of them are connected. I was gonna say, at the end, I was gonna say, I feel like there were just men going wild because the police didn't do shit, so they were like, fuck it, let's kill everybody. There was just murders. Um, so the next one, I don't have a lot on her, so it's gonna be a brief little synopsis. Synopsis? Yes. Her name is Gertrude Evelyn Landon. Gertrude. Gertrude was 36 when she was reported missing by her husband, Kenneth, on July 10th, 1946. So this is like two years. Oh, Thank you. Kenneth was initially a suspect. However, on July 15th, a 33-year-old shipyard worker named Theodore Walfer was digging through junk at a dump site. There he found the half buried body of Gertrude Landon. She was wearing only a bra, underwear, and shoes. She had a large 22-stone engagement ring on, a gold wedding ring, and a necklace. Her identify was her identity was verified mm. through fingerprints. Gertrude's car, a 1933 four-door Plymouth sedan, and the remainder of her clothing were missing. At the coroner's inquest on July 17th, the cause of death was announced as strangulation around midnight on July 10th. No evidence of sexual assault. On July 18th, her car was found abandoned like five miles from her body. And that's literally all I could find regarding Gertrude Evelyn Linden. Oh. So it's, it seems like they're using their cars to make like a getaway. From the mm. scene. She was also strangled. Although she was buried. Partially. Not really. Yeah. What? Partially. Yeah, but she wasn't like put on Just this left out somewhere. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the other thing that we, like, with Elizabeth, we need to keep in mind that she was left out for anyone to find. Mm-hmm. Whereas Georgette was in her apartment. Gertrude, they tried to hide the body. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, like, nothing else there, so, like, it just seems like they don't really care if the body gets found. If these are all connected. They're, like, making no effort to, like, hide the bodies well. But Elizabeth, I mean, she was murdered and then put, like, I think three feet away from a, a sidewalk. 
Yeah. It wasn't like that's where she was murdered and it was just like convenient to leave her there. Someone went through the effort of putting her there. And do you remember when we did our sister episode and Mm -hmm. I told you about the two sisters who were found, they were like someone threw their bodies like they were trash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the picture of them just kind of like on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth was laid out. There was some effort put into her reveal or display or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just... Well, then, if we're going with that, like, option, who was it? Aura, the first one? Mm-hmm. She like, was on a golf course. That's the most... Similar, if we're talking about just, like, body, like, dump location, and positioning. Yeah. Like, who was the second one that was in the tub? Georgette. I mean, it sounds like she was, like, ambushed at home or something. Yeah, and so the other thing that I wanted, I mean, we moved on to Gertrude, but backing up a little bit because I forgot to mention, they um, she's, her, on the day that she was murdered, she, like, left the club at two, but the groundskeeper heard noises in her apartment at midnight. Yeah. Interesting. So, and... And the um, inspector said that he thinks that the person was there waiting for her. So the noises may have been the person Because the waiting. light was off, yeah. Um, and he may have been, like, laying in her bed reading the newspaper until she got home. I will say, it's a little weird that there's all these, like, money and expensive things left. Yeah, robbery is not 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 like it's not the motive at all like and not even like a secondhand motive like oh let me take this ring or anything like like yeah oh i've already killed you i might as well take this ring no it's it's clearly about killing which is a little weird too if they're not connected that there's like that many people this many people that are just like yeah i need i want to murder someone yeah but to be fair, it's not like this is all this many people being killed in like a six month span or something. Yeah. This is like four people so far over a couple years. And LA is big. You know? Yeah. I'm sure there were yeah, other people if, being murdered too. It's also the forties though. And there there's like a lot like I mean, it just it I will I agree with Bailey that it's weird that none of them have been robbed. Like if you're going through Yeah, I do think that is weird. The act of murdering someone. And they have especially money or a you, giant ring on their finger. Just fucking take it. Yeah. Especially because then you could maybe throw off the investigation, at least for a little while, make them think that robbery was the motive. I don't yeah, think that they needed to put any effort into throwing off the investigation. <laughs> no, but I, I would, you know, it would make sense for people to still do that and be like, oh yeah. shit, I've killed her. Or, How can yeah, I muddle, just, muddy the water? It so weird not to take cash. Because yeah, that's untraceable. It can't be traced. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the next one in chronological order is Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. Um, I'm just I'm not going to go into all the details, but I'm just going to remind you of the the main stuff. She was found January fifteenth, nineteen forty seven, naked and cut in half at the waist. Her cause of death was cerebral cerebral hemorrhage and shock. But there's something new that I found while doing all this research elizabeth traveled to chicago in july of 1946 to try and start her own private investigation into three high-profile murders known as the uh, known as chicago's lipstick murders 
The three victims were Josephine Ross, 43, Francis Brown, and Suzanne Degnan. Um, Suzanne was six. Oh. They, this, their murders made national headlines from 1945 to 1946. And I guess that, like, Elizabeth wanted to see if she could... I don't know, investigate or something? Yeah, that seems kind of random. Yeah, it seems very off-brand for her. But maybe yeah. that was her way of like making a name for herself? Yeah, I thought that she'd do something important and get attention. Yeah. Yeah, because we um, didn't see anything when you told us about her that showed she had an interest in like detective work or anything. That's kind of yeah. weird. I, I don't know. Um, What I found interesting about this was Suzanne Degnan was six years old. And she was kidnapped from her bed in the middle of the night while she slept. She was taken to a basement a few, a few blocks away where she was strangled. Then the killer cut her in half between the second and third lumbar vertebrae. A highly skilled surgical operation known as hemicorpectomy. But the killer didn't stop there. Her head was found in a sewer a block from her home. Her right, her right leg in a catch basin her torso in another storm drain and her her other leg in another drain. Her arms were found a month later in another sewer. So Elizabeth spent three weeks in Chicago. She apparently slept with four separate Chicago newspaper reporters trying to get the inside scoop on the investigations. Yeah, do what you gotta do, I guess. Um, I think it's super weird that that girl was cut in half and so was Elizabeth. Well, to be fair, she wasn't just cut in half. She was, she was like fully dismembered. dismembered. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff there. Um, William George Henrens Heinrens was arrested on June 26, 1946 for attempted burglary. He was 17 at the time. According to William George, he was questioned and interrogated for six days straight, beaten and starved. He was not allowed to see his parents or a lawyer. He was given sodium pentothal, which is a barbiturate used for anesthesia, medically induced truth serum. coma, euthanasia, lethal injection, or truth, truth serum. serum. David Parker Ray used it. While under the influence, authorities claimed that William George spoke of an alternate personality known only as George, who had committed the lipstick murders. The original transcript from these inter interrogations disappeared. Mm. On day five in custody, William George was given a lumbar puncture without anesthesia, Jesus. then taken in for a polygraph test. William George was in too much pain to cooperate, they found, so they rescheduled. Results were inconclusive. He was charged for the murders. His defense attorneys felt that he was guilty, so they pressured him to take a plea deal. He agreed and was sentenced to three life terms, avoiding the death penalty. He began denying responsibility for the murders immediately, and even the victim's daughter had her doubts. It sounds like he was railroaded. Like yeah. a six-year-old turned up dismembered, and they were like, we need to put somebody in jail for this. Yeah. Yeah. And then did um, everything they could to get him to confess. And solidify, or just like reinforcing that opinion, 29 inconsistencies have been found between the confession and the known facts of the murders. That's wild. So I'm going to be doing an episode down the road on coerced confessions. 
Oh, um, oh exciting. One. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to mention this one. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, re- like, I'll remind yeah, you. Yeah, just like text me his name or something. So I have it written down. Sadly, though, he died in prison in March 2012 after 65 years. Ugh. Jesus. Yeah. So. But it's interesting that he's another George. Yeah, well, they're, you know, they had three names for men. George. William, George, and, uh. Michael. Harry. Lawrence. John. Okay. Well. But, so I thought that that was interesting <laughs> that apparently Elizabeth was. Because the other thing I, I want to reiterate, there's no, I don't think that there's any evidence that she was an aspiring actress. I think someone just thought of that like because she that. was pretty and she was in L.A. Yeah, that makes sense. Why else do you move to L.A.? Especially if you're pretty. I mean, she was bouncing around. I don't know if you remember, but she, like, got kicked out of L.A. for a while. She was, like, driving under the influence while she was also, like, 18. Yeah, she had some, she had some stuff. Yeah. She was living her life. For a while. She sure was. So, the next girl, this one, is very close to Elizabeth Shorts, as far as timeline. So Elizabeth was January 17th, I think, 15th, 1947. Jean, Jean, how do you say this name? J-E-A-N-N-E. Jean. Jean French was found on February 10th, 1947. Oh, wow. So not even like a full month. Yeah. So at 8.15 a.m. on February 10th, H.C. Shelby was walking on his way to work when he came upon a pile of stylish women's clothing in a weedy stretch of land. Upon investigation, Shelby discovered the naked body of Jean French, laying face up beneath a red dress and blue coat. Jean was 44 at the time of her murder. Her skull was smashed as a result of a blunt metal object, but that wasn't what killed her. The killer stomped on her unconscious body, causing massive internal bleeding, a broken neck, and a punctured heart. While she lay bleeding to death, the killer took red lipstick from her purse and wrote fuck you PD and Tex T-E-X on her torso. Because of this, the crime was dubbed the red lipstick murder. Jean, aka Nettie Axford, was born in a large family in Texas. I have a lot on her because she's really cool. Okay? So listen. Okay. She was born into a large family in Texas on October 6, 1902. At the age of 18, she married Dave. She married David Yandel Rather, often described as a wealthy oilman who owned several large farms. That same year, she gave birth to her only child, David, because dad's name was David. That's one of the names on the list that year. Oh, my the God. Ew, David. Sorry. Yes. The couple settled in Amarillo, where Jean worked as a nurse at St. Anthony's Hospital. But the marriage was short-lived, and in 1924, the young couple divorced. Mm. So they they were married for, I think, four years. So then Jean moved to L.A. with her son and continued working as a nurse. In 1925, she married a man, she married a man named David Thomas. Another David. But they also divorced soon after. 
She was put, quote, in charge of a band of nurses employed by a large oil company in South America. Oh. She was a member of the Women's Air Reserve and the 99 Club, an organization of pioneering women aviators. So she could fly planes. Good for her. That's dope. By 1931, her nickname was The Flying Nurse, and she was gaining notoriety. In October 1931, she married married a fellow aviator named Curtis Bauer in Dallas. Not a David. Not a David. Branching However, out. they separated five weeks later. Oh, because oh. he wasn't a David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't even make that part of the cut. By 1947, Jean was newly separated from her fourth husband of two years. Aircraft Credit plant, Jean. Aircraft, <laughs> aircraft plant employee Frank F. French. So, Frank. Jean lived in a small apartment in Palms. I guess that's in California? Is this Palms? Sounds like it would be. I don't know. She um, seemed to have succumbed to a drinking problem and had accused Frank of beating her on January 26th during a drunken brawl. At around 7.30pm on Sunday, February 9th, she had dinner with and drinks at the Plantation Cafe on Washington Boulevard. She was there with two men, one of whom waitress Christine described as having dark hair and a small mustache. Mm. While the men ordered food, Jean went to pay to a payphone, apparently already intoxicated. Um, Jean's autopsy reported her blood alcohol was 0.331%. Wow. Which at the time was twice the leap, twice what was considered intoxicated. Yeah. What's so the according to, what's the legal limit right now? Oh wait. Like, oh wait. Okay. Yeah, and I think, or back then it was point one five, so they've lowered the legal limit. I think they're lowering lowering it again or something. I saw. Cool. So Steve Hodel. Um, said that during the phone or during his investigation, he found that during the phone call, Christine, the waitress, said people nearby could hear French bark into the receiver in a very loud voice. Quote, don't bring a bottle. The landlady doesn't allow it. While still on the phone, the victim yelled to the, the two men in her booth. Don't put any liquor in the car and don't take any liquor. Christine, the waitress, observed that the two men appeared to be arguing between themselves, and it was her impression that they were arguing over which one was going to accompany the victim. That feels rude. Roy oh, wait, G- wait. Like, they both wanted to be the one? Or, like, yeah. neither one? Okay, okay. Never mind. It's more Roy flattering. Roy J. Fetcher, the operator of a driving cafe on Santa Monica Boulevard, reported that Jean came into his establishment around 9.30 p.m. alone. She drank a cup of coffee with the owner and told him her woes. She said her husband was sadistic and said she he liked dark things and said he had beaten her several times. Mm-hmm. Then she re- raised a pair of glasses she was wearing to show a couple of black eyes she said he had given her. At 10.30, Jean appeared in a Venice Boulevard bar and announced she was committing her husband to the neuropsychiatric ward at the Sawtell Veterans Hospital the following day. 
Mm-hmm. So she's really just bouncing around. Yeah. All over the place. Jean then went to visit her estranged husband at his rooming house in Santa Monica. Frank claimed that she tried to convince him to go out with her before hitting him on the head with a handbag. He said she was mean when she was drinking. She had been drinking Sunday night, but did not appear intoxicated. So. Okay. Sometime after midnight, Jean was at the Piccadilly Drive-In. I love that name. Mm Mm-hmm. On Washington Place with a medium-small, dark-complexioned man who bragged about the large tip he gave their waitress. Mm. And yeah. around... Is, is it... I'm sorry. I was going to say, is it a good tip if you don't brag about it? I don't think so. I think you need yeah. to mention it. Mm-hmm. At around 1.30, Jean sat on the floor... Jean sat on the first stool of the Pan American Bar and drank a 7-high... She put 25 cents in the kitty and asked pianist Sam Young to play for her. At 2 a.m., the bar closed and the bartender noticed Jean and her friend fighting. The bartender went, or no, 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 sorry, the pianist went outside just in time to see Jean and her companion get in an old beat-up sedan. He was the last person besides her killer or killers to to see Jean alive. Oh. So... LAPD obviously was unwilling to publicly link the murders of Jean French and Elizabeth Short to mm. a serial killer. Instead, they chose to focus on Frank French, okay. her ex-husband, who may have been suffering from PTSD after years in the Marine Corps. Another army man. Mm. They're so popular. Yep. Shortly before Jean's murder, Frank himself had been arrested after he punched Jean in the face during one particularly bad argument. Jesus. Jean's son, David, um, at this time was 25 and a father of his own. He had also been questioned. Yes. Sorry. The next sentence I don't think makes sense. Despite their initial belief, police could... Yes. Okay, so despite their initial belief that Frank was responsible, the police could find no evidence to tie Frank to the murder. Furthermore, Frank's landlady did indeed confirm his alibi that he hadn't left his flat that evening. Also, they couldn't match the shoe prints found in the murder scene to Frank. Okay. Frank did it. Well, that's what the police said, even though there was no evidence. Despite no evidence against Frank, police still believed he could be the man they were looking for, and so they had Frank partake in a lie detector test, which he passed, and then after that, police finally moved on to other suspects. I'm sorry, they didn't just beat him up like that other guy. No, because he wasn't 17. Ah, okay. Come on, Lacey. You're, you're right. That was silly. That was silly of me. Detectives next tried to find the man with the dark complexion that was seen with Jean in the Pan American bar. Unfortunately, they were unable to trace the individual to question. They were getting nowhere fast, and they had very few leads to go on. They traced um, Jean's car 
to a parking lot. Witnesses said that the vehicle had been there since about 3 a.m. on the morning of the murder. One of the witnesses spoken to, a night watchman, claimed that it was a man who left the car at the location, not Jean. Hmm. But they were never able to track down that man. So, dead end. Mm. So, the main theory that I read about was that Elizabeth Short's killer is the same killer as Jean French. Some... Three years after the murder of Jean French, an investigation by the grand jury was ordered. They, This was when the grand jury kind of laid into LAPD about how there were so many unsolved women murders. Yeah. LA lone woman murders throughout the 1940s. This led many of them to look into the case again. Or really to look into all the cases. The Some of the People in the DA's office were assigned to the the Jean's case, and they. Sco- Sorry, let me start over. Walter Morgan and Frank Jemison of the DA's office were assigned to look into Jean's case, and they soon discovered a prime suspect. Four months before the brutal killing of Jean French, and whilst she was still with husband Frank, the pair hired so the pair, as in Jean and Frank. They hired a painter named George Witt. What's up with George's? George. He worked on the couple's home. The investigators discovered that Jean and George soon started seeing one another, with George admitting to going on several dates with Jean. Morgan and Jemison found the man's behavior during their investigation questionable. The pair also uncovered during their investigation that the painter had burned some clothing and several pairs of shoes around the time of the murder. Interesting. George reportedly said he did this as he feared he would have been pinned with the murder. That's interesting. He was worried that they they would blame him for the murder of Jean. He was like, I think they're going to think I killed Jean, so I'm going to burn some of my clothes to look less suspicious. Interesting. It's a weird choice, George. However, it's hard to say whether or not his shoes would have matched the footprints left at the scene. Because I guess, so the shoe prints that were left on the the scene were kind of small for Mm. a man, I think, at the time. The shoe prints that stomped her to death. So... I think that they were, that was like their main thing that they were looking for. Somebody who had shoes that size. Just weird. And there was contradicting reports as to whether or not he wore a shoe that size. Although he wasn't arrested, so. Oh, take they didn't that. have the shoes. Exactly. Well, he burnt them all. all his shoes. Imagine, like, you know, somebody who gets stabbed and you're like, I better throw away all my knives in mm-hmm. case the police think I stabbed them. It's like uh, that scene in Dodgeball where uh, Jason Bakeman's like, that's a bold move, Got Let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, George Witt was seemingly able to provide a solid alibi and prove he wasn't the killer. And so he was soon cleared of any involvement. Okay. So One then, George down. Several who have looked into this crime have tried to use the mes- message left in red lipstick on her body as a clue. Mm-hmm. Which 
I mean, it must have been left for, there for a reason, so that makes sense. So, the coroner reported that it said, fuck you, PD. But pictures that people have looked at are like, well, what if it says BD, not PD? Mm, fuck you, baby daddy. I found the missing link. <laughs> fuck you, bus department. Ah, so many possibilities. Well, some people are like, BD stands for Black Dahlia. Mm, oh, that feels more appropriate for what we're it discussing. It's like a stretch, though. Yeah, although other people are like, PD stands for Police Department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was, but then, like... I think PD makes more sense, because, like, why would fuck you Black Dahlia... Yeah, unless it was the same person who killed her, and he was like, "Yeah, I still really hate that bitch." Or so they put away the seventeen-year-old for the Chicago lipstick murders. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I mean, we're we're all pretty sure that that was not who did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that person, since Elizabeth was like putting her nose in his business, maybe. Yeah. He was like, I'm gonna go and do a lipstick murder and say, fuck you, Black Dahlia. I don't know. And a lot of head weird shit there. What, uh, what are the years for all these murders again? All of them from mm-hmm. the start? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Aura Murray was murdered in 1943, July 1943. Okay. Georgette was murdered in October 1944. Okay. Gertrude was murdered excuse me, in July of 1946. Elizabeth, as we know, was murdered in January 1947. And Jean French, nicknamed the Red Lipstick Murder, was murdered in February 1947. I'm like, so World War II is actively going on at that point. Um, And I'm trying to think of like, maybe it's like random murders from like PTSD, like shell shock. Like maybe that's why so many women are dying and we're seeing a kind of a correlation with soldier men. But, I don't know. That's just trying to get in the time frame, like, mindset there. Yeah, back to the message, because I wasn't quite done with that. Um, Another theory with the message was that PD was, like, the first name and the middle name, like, the initials, and then Tex was the last name. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson Tex. No, I'm saying, like, how the guy who found someone's, or I think Jean's body was H.C. Shelby. Mm-hmm. This person was P.D. Tex. I'm just, yeah. I'm putting out like other options for the initials. Oh, okay. Um, other people thought maybe Tex was short for Texas, mm. which Jean French, of course, spent much of her early life in Texas, not leaving until after her first divorce. Could That's... someone from Jean's past have caught up with her? Hmm. One of the husbands. Mm-hmm. 
and then decided to leave a clue. So in um, Steve Hodel's book, he thinks that Elizabeth Short is the victim of his dad and Jean French is also another victim. Okay. Hodel, Steve Hodel, said that the murder of French was a message to police after it was after it was reported in the press that they had arrested a suspect for the murder of Elizabeth Short. Dr. George Hodel therefore murdered Jean French and left the initials BD on her body. So he's thinking it said BD as in Black Dahlia. But then what's the text mean? Do we yeah. have a photo of this? Uh... Yeah, hold on. Okay. Let me get to the bottom of this. You want to take a look? Well, yeah. it's I, I looked at it, and it's kind of hard to make out what it says because um, the bruising. Mm. Oh. And Do, I think um... that that's why there's been so much, like, oh, what could it say? Do you, side note, um, do you guys ever, like, whenever we, like, get cases, like, this old or whatever, do you ever just, like, think, like, how the fuck did they arrest anybody back then for any murder? Yeah. I see the, the, the fuck you. Hold on, I'm, I'm blowing up the picture. So this oh, is where okay. they found her body, like, right next to a road. Very similar to how Elizabeth was found right next to a sidewalk. Yeah. Make my screen bigger. There's so many men around her. Yeah. Looking at stuff without gloves on. That feels good. Oh, yeah, that could be a B. Mm hmm. It kind of fits with the font, too, of the D for the B to be not exaggerated. I don't know what that line is. That looks like the bottom of the B. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Remember, remember, she was stomped, so it could yeah. be part of like a shoe. Jesus. It's hard to say because like this bruising here is clearly bruising, yeah. and this is clearly. It sounds bruising. like I, I feel like either somebody, either the person who killed her, really hated her, or like really hated women because you don't just stomp somebody. You know what I mean? That feels very aggressive, personal, or very. Overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one final point that Steve made, or no, sorry, not Steve, Larry Harnish made about against George Hodel was that much like Frank French, the shoes simply didn't fit, in other words. Mm. George Hodel didn't wear a size six or seven, which is like what they determined was the shoe that stomped her. Yeah. Which brings me to a f the final theory that was posed as to the murder of Jean French. So remember how she was seen last with a small man with a dark complexion and it was mm -hmm. the 40s. Yeah. The so if he was short, it stands to reason that he may have had a smaller shoe size, which was pointed out. But in the 40s, L.A. had its fair share of racism 
in particular between white men and the Latino community. Just a few years before Jean French's murder, the Zoot Suit riots had taken place in the city. Are you familiar with them? I'm not. It sounds familiar. That's how I felt, Bailey. I was like, it sounds familiar. I'll just move on. Look it up later. We'll talk about it later. Maybe. Is it possible? What? Am I going to get a quiz on it? No. Is it possible that someone took offense to seeing a white woman with a man of dark complexion? If they did and chose to confront French, is it hard to imagine the confrontation got completely out of hand, leading to a brutal attack? Mm. There could be people get crazy about that shit. That's Mm -hmm. not... Oh, did you look it up at all? No, what is it? It's a series of violent clashes during which mobs of U.S. servicemen, off-duty police officers, and civilians brawled with young Latinos and other minorities in Los Angeles in June 1943. Riots took their name from the baggy suits worn by many minority youths during the era. It sounds very, um, West Side Story almost. Well, I don't love that it was people who had, like, uniforms. Yeah, I don't love that either. I don't like that no it's not not ideal great so um we are an hour into this i feel as though we're gonna have to do a second part because i still have lillian dominguez gladys kern louise springer mimi boomhauer gene sprangler ruth francis spaulding and then Evelyn Winters, Rosenda Mondragon, Dorothy Montgomery, Laura Tresland, Marion Newton, Jenna. I'm, I'm always waiting for like Eva the Elroy end. And Bobby blah, blah, blah. And she just so this is going to be a whole winter long <laughs> series. Well, we got through a lot. Um, You're sounding like an overachiever right now. You're not better I mean, than us. I can, Lillian, I can do real quick because I don't think there's any connection. Well, tell us about Lillian. Yeah. Okay, so Lillian Dominguez, um, on the night of October 2nd, 1947, so the same year, just in the fall, 15-year-old high school student Lillian Dominguez was walking home from, from a school dance with her sister Angie and her friend Andrea Marquez. As the three girls approached the intersection of the 17th Street and Michigan Avenue in Santa Monica, a man approached them in the darkness and walked by. Seconds later, Lillian told her sister, that man touched me. She took a few steps and yelled out, I can't see. Lillian staggered against the fence, collapsed, and died. An autopsy established that Lillian had been stabbed in the heart with a long, thin-bladed stiletto-type knife, or possibly an ice pick. The half-inch wide blade penetrated three and a half inches directly into the heart. No real accurate description of the attacker was obtained other than the teenager's initial description of him being a man. On the evening of October 9th, 1947, so a week later, her killer left a handwritten note under the door of an L.A. furniture store that said, um, I killed that Santa Monica girl. I will kill others. It was written in pencil on the back of a business card of a, quote, Mexican restaurant. The 
the Lillian Dominguez crime was just two miles west of the Jean French murder. But I think that that was just something that happened. That feels very um, Jack Ripper-esque and the fact it happened so quick and just like walking by. Uh, Wow, that's interesting. I mean, she's like much younger, not even an adult. She was mm-hmm. stabbed, not strangled. But I don't, I don't see how there could be any... right there with her, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think there was any connection to any of the other ones. That's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do Gladys Kern, too, because she's real quick, and I don't think she's related either. Um, Gladys was a 42-year-old real estate saleswoman when she was found stabbed to death with a hunting knife on February 16th, 1948. She was on the kitchen floor of a home she was selling, listed at uh, $25,000, which is, I threw that in because that's ridiculous. But that's how much a house cost. Probably a nice house, too. With a kitchen. Oh, hope so. So so it's not a shack. Got it. (laughs) Police believe her to be robbed and killed, which is not fitting with the pattern. Nope. Gladys Mm. was married to a pool maker named John E. Kern. They had two children, 23-year-old Jack and 22-year-old Peggy. And it's worth noting that on February 7th, so a week earlier, an almost identical attack took place. An unnamed real estate woman was showing a house when a man with black wavy hair attacked and robbed her. He used a long knife to threaten her, force her to disrobe, and locked her in a bathroom. It's unsolved, but I don't think it's related. No. It seems like that guy has an M.O. Yeah. Yeah. And his, like, primary goal was, like, robbery. robbery. Yeah. And he used a knife. And I, I think the only, like, I mean, I imagine the only reason the first real estate woman didn't get murdered was because she cooperated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. I feel like they, like, try to correlate that because a knife was used and obviously in the Black Dahlia. Yeah, something that sharp needed to be used, um, and the fact that it's just like a woman that was murdered in the that general area. But yeah, it's, like Lacey said, it's Los Angeles. It's there's a lot going on during that time too. Hence the riots, and at that point, it's like post World War II. So there's a lot of like stuff, stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, I don't. I think just want to. I don't think we need to throw every, like, this, and this isn't you, I don't think we need to throw, like, oh, every person that was ever murdered is kind of related to this. I don't yeah. think we need to go that far with some of these. Mm-hmm. But, like, someone put this little map together. Yeah. Thinking that they were all related. So, this is where Elizabeth Short was found. We haven't talked about her. This was Aura Mor- Murray, Jean mm-hmm. French, Lillian Dominguez. They're close, but I don't think they're related. This we haven't talked about. How zoomed out is that photo, too? Los Angeles is fucking huge. Yeah. Well, they said that, or, um, this is two miles. Okay. This is, we haven't talked about Mimi Boomhauer yet. This is Georgette. And this is, um, Gladys Kern. I think that's if you try a... hard enough, you're always going to be able to find things that you can be like, oh, that's a similarity. But 
It doesn't mean that it is. As, yeah. as so, Spencer Reed would say, the geographical like profile is very large there. Yeah. I think. Um, so, so far, do you think any of them are related to the Black Dahlia? Nah. I think not sold there on are them. some there you could be like, that that you could argue are more so mm-hmm. likely, and some that are definitely not, but... Yeah. I feel like if some if any are related, um, it shows like either the evolution of the killer because it's they're not all like the same. Some I are feel definitely like black dahlia. Like I'll be I'm spoiler alert. Nobody is at the level as the black dahlia. Yeah. So like I feel like that if this is the work of a serial killer, that was the peak. Yeah. You yeah. don't start doing like less after more. that. It's like, um... What was... Didn't you just... We just talked about Lacey's guy that was poisoning and people thought, Thomas like, he could Neil be... Cream. Yeah, Thomas you don't Neil go from, Cream. like, doing what you did to... Who is yeah. it? Mary Kelly, who was the last one? Mm. Um, to oh, where they thought that maybe he was Jack the Ripper? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think the people who are posing these theories are just, like... They don't want to think that there are multiple that people at the same time. Like, yeah. 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 Instead of being like, oh, they each had their own individual killer. Yeah. That are, that, I mean, it is kind of unnerving that they're still out there because they're all unsolved. Yeah. But I think, I, I think I'd rather one person kill one person than a serial killer still be on the loose. Mm. What are your thoughts, Bailey, on that? Um, Would you rather the guy be one and done or like a loose serial killer? Ten men who only kill one woman at a time and are done. Or one man who was on a killing spree. I, 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 uh, I, don't, I don't I think know. I, I might actually prefer put out a disclaimer and say that none of it's great. Um, <laughs> I think that I think that I might actually prefer one killer than multiple because if it's one and like and they know they're looking for one, then they can really focus all of their resources on finding this one guy. But if you've got multiple killers out there, then you've got different detectives assigned to different things and resources are being pulled in different directions. I think it's harder to find 10 different killers than one killer, even though we clearly see there are serial killers that have never been caught. Yeah, but like well, also, I think as far as the LAPD concerned, it's hard to find any killers. Yeah, I think for them at this time, they weren't really doing anything about I it. Don't th- I don't Well, f- for the LAPD, it's not hard to find the killers. It's hard to put in the work to go the process of finding them. Because a lot of the killers out there are stupid and they could have been found. But I, Right? Like the fingerprints <laughs> on the light bulb, the sperm, <laughs> just hold on to it and wait until technology catches up. That's too much work. Um, but back to the could have been solved. Back to the ten guys versus one. Uh, I think it's horrifying to like think about multiple people having the ability to kill. Yeah. But would you rather be like walking down the street and be like, "I'm scared that one of these guys could be a serial killer," or "I'm scared of all of them"? I I do walk down afraid of everybody. <laughs> 
I was gonna say, would you rather be afraid that they're all serial killers or just one of them is a serial killer? I work in the city. Every, well, like it also, <laughs> everyone has like, I think everyone has the capability of like getting to that point of murdering someone. It's just like you have to be pushed to that what are point. Your limits? Um, I don't know. A lot of well, and the other thing is, I take uh, comfort in not really. Uh, is a lot of these serial killers when they don't fit their like victim profile that they want. And I'm like, phew. Um, That's true. It's a relief. Yeah. Although, if this is the work of a serial killer and they're all related, he doesn't have a victim profile other than being a woman. Yeah. Because we had 40-year-olds, we had 20-year-olds, we have a 15-year-old. She's not a part of it. Get the fuck no. out of here. But yeah, so that's, I guess, the first part of the LA Lone Women Murders. Alright. Cool, cool. So far, I feel like we've determined that they're not related at all to each other. It just doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like a gradual correlation you would do, like, through the years of murdering. Like, they're just kind of, like, all over the place. Like, you're not expanding. Like, if it's one person, you're not, like, finding what you like sticking to that mo or like tweaking it like a little bit like you're doing major changes exactly yes yes and like there's nothing that's like signature about each of them yeah that links them like oh they've all they're all strangled not the case oh they were all mutilated not the case there was all they all had little messages left not the case they were all put out to be found in a public spot not the case. They I think were the all, only thing they is were that all raped. Mostly, Not the case either. Yeah, I think the only thing connecting them is that they're women and they were found mostly naked. In the 40s. Exactly. We found the oh. link! That was it. That was his, uh, that's his victim pool. Found it. Horrifying. Women that can be naked. Uh. Well, that was sinister. And we were and sarcastic. We were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. listening.